The following program is intended for mature audiences. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. What are you people, on dope? All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend. Indeed it does. But first, it's time for the opening gem of the day. Sometimes I wonder if I should visit a 
tail And get myself a smooth outfit Then I remember what the father said to me I'll make you from the open road You all know this He said others may come and others may go But that's soon to be around wherever you go Sweet Yeah, 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 nice rollicking Very tune nice. by The Faces. You know, I, I've always, always loved the lyrics, you know, of The Faces. Mm-hmm. Songs like that, songs like Ooh La La, yep. you know, the perspective and whatnot. I mean, granted, that's probably, what, 30, 40 years old? Easily, but, yeah. But those things, just they're timeless, and they still hold up. They still hold up really well. And actually, this is going to make you feel old. That song is 53 years old. <laughs> Woof! Well, you know, in all honesty, I kind of knew that. I just didn't want to didn't want to cop to it. I yep. was like, kind of in a little bit of denial there. Yeah, but it doesn't diminish your point. Now, of course, that was the faces off of their album First Step from 1970. All right, and uh, you know, one of the, the fun facts, a, a uh, riffs and rants fun fact. Yeah, the first gem I ever played on this show was yeah. Bad and Ruin, also by the Faces. Nice. And just like this song, Three Button Hand Me Down, it's kind of an ode to ah, those formative years when you leave home, or in this case, when you're about to leave home, and the parents try and impart some advice on you. Ah, A little nugget of wisdom. Nugget, yeah, exactly. And uh, in this case, it's it's the father uh, presenting to his son the the family suit, as it were, and says, look, just like the lyrics say, others may come, others may go. But this suit will be with you wherever you go. <laughs> and the classic you know, business suit, which is also uh, you know, a, a theme that was very popular back then, especially amongst the British, yeah. because you had that, that, the period of the mods and the parents growing up in, although a war-torn land, a very crusty, stiff upper lip, typical British demeanor. Yeah. This is how you dress. This is how you act as a proper gentleman. Yeah. The same themes that the Who touched on in Quadrophenia. Yeah. And you see how, how much of an importance was placed on that, quote unquote, business wardrobe. Oh, yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because initially, you know, when you're a kid, you reject that, mm-hmm. you know, and then it comes around maybe 10 years, 20 years later, and you start to see the wisdom Sure, of those sure. things, you know, and then you end up passing it along to your kid, yep. and eventually, you know, and of course, initially, it's rejected. Yeah, but yeah, there's some nuggets of wisdom that that are timeless, and yep. that's kind of why I like the faces yeah. uh, lyrics. You know, and as we talked about before the show, I'm the lyrics guy, so mm-hmm. that's immediately what I zero <laughs> in on. And it's just like, yeah, that just that yeah. that, that sings to and me. And it brings out know? my my sentimental side because I think for a lot of us, you know, standard. Issue, you know, middle-aged white guys. Some of those formidable, 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 formidable yeah. uh, moments that we have with our dad, yeah, such as learning how to shave, yeah, learning how to tie a necktie, yeah, okay? that's a big one, and of course the the purchase of the first suit. Normally, dad brings you in tone. We're gonna get you a suit, you know, <laughs> it's either a wedding or a funeral or whatever, yeah. But uh, yeah, and it's you know me. I've always worked jobs by and large that. Like my father, I had the dress and a shirt, tie and a suit. Sure. So the importance of that wasn't lost on me. Mm-hmm. And sadly, and this is the reason we're opening with this yeah. gym tonight, a little snippet in the news these days, in spite of all the important shit that's going on, Yeah. Uh, the August body of the U.S. Senate has decided kind of quickly and uh, clandestinely to alter the time-honored dress code of said August body. Yeah. For reasons which we'll we'll get into, it depends mm-hmm. who you ask. And uh, what's even the bigger uh, ogre in the corner of the room is why and do they really need to do this? What 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 is this yeah. all about? You know, as loose and progressive as as I like to try to be, as I like to you know think of myself as, I am so calling bullshit on this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like really, yeah. really, we're doing this now. Yeah, you know. Uh, Let's put it on. Put what on? The last suit you'll ever wear. Time frame wise, uh, as we're sitting here having this discussion, another government shutdown is looming. Mm-hmm. You know, not to mention all the other shit that's going on in the world, all oh, the yeah. other concerns. And we're talking about dress codes uh-huh. in the Senate. Yep. Really? Really, guys? 
My God. I mean, to me, this is this is, you know, it's what I see it as, and it's what the Senate, you know, and our, and our leaders, what they're treating it as. They're treating it as they're no longer having Taco Tuesday in this in the Capitol commissary. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I'm looking at it from a perspective of there are so many little tiny nuances to the art of dressing up, or let's say in this case, dressing appropriately. Right. And you need to separate this from, let's say, in air quotes, the workplace. Right. Because that's what they're trying to do. Yes. Now, there's no doubt that the American workplace... Uh, in terms of of dress codes and whatnot, has changed radically yeah. even before the pandemic. Sure, but now it's like everything is is barely business casual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And again, as somebody who's always worked with a suit and tie because it was expected in my profession in the real world, <laughs> now it no longer exists. It, you'd be you'd be hard pressed to find people doing my job wearing suits and ties. Right. Okay. Because in many ways, it's just not practical. Yeah. However, and of all places. I found a kindred spirit and uh, an author for the New York Times who had written um, an article. Wait a minute. Dramatic pause. You read the New York Times? Just one article. <laughs> Doesn't make me a subscriber. Damn. <laughs> but she wrote basically uh, a, a great piece in so much it hits it from both sides. Yeah. And, both, and, and then again, 30,000 feet as opposed to ground level. Right. Saying why... You do need to dress up as a United States senator. And she goes into the story of how the, uh, the, the classic business attire started at yeah. the turn of the century. Yeah. What's good and bad about it, especially as it reflects to women, because women don't have it that easy just to wear a suit and that's it. Right. You know, it was a concept designed towards men to make them homogenous and so that they don't stand out. Let's face it, suits on men hide a lot of features. If they're too tall, too short, it kind of like lengthens us right. if we're a little round around the edges it kind of slenderizes us yeah and it makes everybody the same except for their face mm-hmm. women don't have it that easy they still need to accessorize they got to pick shoes high heels short heels, yeah. you know and it's either their outfit's too flashy or not flashy enough so it's like it, it solves one very small problem right kind of creates another yeah because women could have retreated into that old boys network, if you will, of wearing the business suits and looking just like them and acting just like them. Now it's like they're on their own again. Mm -hmm. Okay? But in a larger sense, my people on the right want to point a finger at Frankenstein Fetterman. (laughs) Like, this is all his doing. Like, he could possibly wield enough power. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, The John Fetterman, who's done more for strokes than Billy Squire. That guy. There we go. My mama done told me, bring home something for dinner. <laughs> They're trying to pin it on him like he's got that kind of sway and swag that they can dictate, you know. Yeah. Obviously, it's not about that. No. Which then makes me say to myself, which I think is now coming in line with how you're feeling about things, of all the stuff we've got to worry about, they're arguing about a dress code for work. Yeah. I can't defend Lurch anymore. I just can't. I'm sorry. You look like a slob, you know. <laughs> it's you know you gotta kind of before you shit can the standards, you gotta kind of see the meaning and the point behind them. Right. You know, I again, you know, envision myself to be somewhat progressive, but you're completely missing the point. And this guy's taking it to the extreme where it's like, yeah, you look like a goddamn slob. Yeah, you just like a wino. Slob, he's a wino. You know. Nice suit. John Phillips, London. I have two myself. And, oh, by the way, guys, you know, and file this under completely tone deaf, uh, according to a recent Pew Research Center uh, report study, 65% of Americans uh, either always or at least very often feel absolutely exhausted when thinking about politics, all right? Another 23% feel like the system just ain't working. Mm-hmm. 16% say they, only 16%, I should say, uh, trust the Fed. Hey, dumbasses, only 16% of the U.S. public trusts the Fed. And now, folks, it's time for who do you trust? Hubba, hubba, hubba. Money, money, money. Who do you trust? Hello. 28% feel unfavorable about both parties. Just 10% feel hopeful about the future. 55% of Americans are angry either always or often about politics, the parties, and you idiots... You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Are 
focusing on dress codes? Right. Come on. You know, I mean, yeah, it's a little insular living inside the Beltway. That's not really, I don't know, reality. Mm -hmm. But wake up. Wake up, people. You are a representative body, you know, which leads me to my next point. Who the hell voted for this clown? (laughs) (laughs) Who? You know, I mean, and you're, well, you're actually, wait a minute, you're going to lay responsibility for a buffoon in office uh-huh. on the people who voted who, for Who them? put him there, yeah, I know. I never thought of it I that know, way. revolutionary thought. You know, and oh, by the way, while we're talking about who in the hell voted for this clown, um, that dingbat out of Colorado, Bobert, <laughs> you know, in the Grope Fest at Beetlejuice, <laughs> this is the person you elected to represent you? Yep. Really? Yep. I mean, wh- I just, I don't know. You know oh, and I, even better because it's it's such a blossoming story, but it, it hits close to home. Being from Jersey, uh, one of our senators is Bob Menendez, yeah, who had dodged corruption charges uh, a few years ago. Right. Sits on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Yeah, trash. They got this son of a bitch dead to rights, peddling influence for cash. Have right. you seen the story yet? I seems to me working I like hand in hand, yeah. like through the Egyptian government and passing information onto them. Oh, good lord! And these other like uh, business people in New Jersey, and they they raided his house. They found just envelopes of cash everywhere, <laughs> and all his Jesus. suit jackets. Like he tried to spread it out. Yeah, the brand new Mercedes, and they've got it. They for once, an investigative. Uh, attacked did its due diligence. Right. They traced all the records back. They've got DNA on the envelopes of who <laughs> handed it to the guy. They've got him so dead to rights, it's disgusting. The Jersey governor already asked him to resign. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this guy's like, he's going to fight it. I'm still going to execute. This is vicious slander. Da, 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 right. Da. You know, let's be clear. You know, the, 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 the Congress, the Senate, it, it's not... Uh, a stranger to controversy. Mm-hmm. It's not a stranger to conflict. I mean, this is this is part of the history of of you know the government government body of the, U- the United States. But the level of absolute frivolousness yes. ha- has reached, an, I think, an unprecedented mm-hmm. level. And I'm a relatively well-read guy. I'm relatively cognizant like of so. history, yeah. you know, as are you. But this shit is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't want to fall into the cliche of, you know, the, the, the podcast host or the, the, the talk radio host of, you know, screaming and yelling and blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. It's just way too easy. But like I said, the shit is ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely and it's, ridiculous. And it's funny. And, you know, in turn, I hate to be that, that person who, you know, watches a couple of shows on a history channel and all of a sudden starts drawing parallels and right. conspiracy theories. Yeah. But, you know, the last time I heard of uh, an August body such as a Senate that had become so detached that even the common people knew that they were useless, they uh, uh, voted this guy Caesar to be the, the emperor. Message! For a, <laughs> for a time being, okay? Yeah. And... You know, those you know, people like to bandy about sayings like those who don't, you know, learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Right. La, 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 la. Yeah. We're going down that path. And although, you know, nothing ever repeats itself exactly the same, we'll have our own version of this. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, by any means, you know, being an advocate for uh, fascism. Mm-hmm. But really, this is how this shit happens. Well, yeah. If you wonder, you know, how the concept of fascism gets energy, gets, gets weight, gets, gets you know, uh, uh, people behind it. Yep. It's this kind of shit. You know, it's, you know, capitulation never works. Lowering mm-hmm. your standards never works. It yep. just makes things worse. And again, in, in a society, look, we, we notice 5,000 news channels, and whichever one you turn to, and despite their views on things, yeah. there are, are common stories that play on all of them as... For example, five to ten thousand illegal immigrants crossing over every single day. Yeah, rampant crime, and yeah, like my people at Fox want to say in blue cities. No, how about every city? <laughs> yeah, rampant much. crime. Yeah, total disrespect for law and order. These things, these are big issues. They need to get fixed. Yeah, and yet we're worried about dress codes. This is what they're voting on behind closed doors. When yeah. you, me, and John and Jane Doe think they're there discussing legislation and bills and trying to prevent gun violence and things. Yeah. No, they're talking about 
dress codes. Yeah, and when, when all this is going on and all these legitimate concerns of the citizenry uh, that we're looking to our elected representatives to fix, to address, to acknowledge, to do something, anything, you know, I'm a big fan of, of that old chestnut. If your ass is on fire, do something. And then we have Lurch Fetterman. Ooh, don't do it. Right. Showing up, looking like he looks. It's like, yeah, no wonder people feel hopeless. Yeah, and there's another overused cliche. Our, our, our senators and senatresses, I guess that's a non-sexual non term. Senators. Yeah. Uh, they're rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic is what they're doing. <laughs> And it's just like, I mean, seriously? Yeah. Seriously. That this is what we collectively, and uh, you know, you and I could look at each other in the mirror and say, yeah, well, yeah, it, it's us. We do it too. You put these people in, and you know, going back to my you know, ancient Roman analogy, as thin as it might be, what if, imagine this, this horror story, we had the next coming of Trump that's lucid and not outwardly offensive towards yeah. people. Not obvious. A, right. A little smarter of a demagogue. Yeah. Rides the same, you know, maelstrom of discontent right into the White House. Yep. That whole outsider thing, I'm going to fix this shit. Yeah. But they're a little smarter and a little sneakier. You know, we could yeah. be in a world of hurt because this is what the, the, the people are clamoring for. Somebody who's going to take their own freaking job seriously, yeah. as well as obviously as voters, our, our wants and needs. And that's what it is right now. It's not so much a case of what people, you know, would like to see. Well, I, I prefer this kind of government, and taxes are a little high. No, people are in the stages of wanting and needing. Families can barely get by. Police, as it, as it stands, can barely keep people and businesses and property safe in these big cities, yeah. you know? Yeah. You've got a, a social upheaval right now with not just the, the woke movement, but the concept of, of gender and how that is wildly shifting. Yeah. There's so much going on, <coughs> excuse me, that they should be focusing on that they could actually affect change, not to mention gun control, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah, in a phrase, <laughs> in a phrase, this is how it happens. Yeah. You want to know how a Hitler happens, how a Mussolini happens, how a Chavez happens, yep. how a Fidel Castro happens? Mm -hmm. This is how, folks. This yep. is how it goes down. Yeah. You know? It, it, it's never hopeless because we have the framework of, you know, arguably, the greatest system of government ever conceived. Yeah. That is all still there. We've got a pretty damn good constitution by which to live by. Yeah. Once we decide how literal we're to take this 200-year-old, 300-year-old document. Approximately. But it, it, it's there. And we have smart people in this country. Lord knows... Our colleges are churning out poli-sci majors <laughs> left and right. And, and, and no, not all of them go into government, right? Yeah. But there, there's such an opportunity each and every day. Like all these idiots that get up there when they're trying to get our vote. Yeah. This is the most crucial election ever. Well, guess what, asshole? Every one, every single by one. its very nature, is yes. always the most important because it's yes. the newest one. And, and the concept, if you study the history of the United States, of... We can do better mm -hmm. is always there. It's always there. And when we seize that, this country does good things. They're yeah. great things. Mm -hmm. Put to task with, 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 with a mission and a blueprint. Yeah. There's honest to God. I'm not even running for office and I'm saying this. There's nothing that together as a country we can't accomplish. Yeah. But, but you know what? You know who's <laughs> leading that? You know the, the, the quarterbacks? I'm going to use plural on that is. All right. Yeah. Sometimes you're lucky and you've got such an enigmatic or... or or just forceful and charismatic president, he could make spearhead yeah. these changes. We don't live in those days anymore. Yeah. So next up, you got a hundred people, okay, that are supposed to be culled from the best and brightest yeah. that really do the work in, in government. Yes. And then you got, you know, look, the House of Representatives, that's like Walmart on Black Friday. Never mind that. <laughs> and and even our, our chief justices now are, are apparently, some of them may or may not be compromised. Yeah. So it, a lot of this falls on the Senate. It's an important house. Yeah. So even if the ship of the best and brightest has sailed, look, nine-tenths of the rule is what? It's looking the part. Yeah. You know? Oh, hell yeah. Anybody that's taken any job, no matter how difficult it is, what's the first thing you realize in day one? Yeah. Stay calm. Look like you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay? And the rest will come to you as, as you're doing it. Oh, yeah. Well, I think I might have mentioned to you that once upon a time, a very long time ago, <laughs> I was a theater major in college. 
And yeah, when you take up the costume. I saw you uh, your presentation of Death of a Weed Salesman, <laughs> and, and Olivier had nothing that. on All you. Right. Yes. I, I'm encouraged. Very cool. <laughs> but yeah, when you when you dress the part and you look the part, you become the part. Exactly. You know. And must we push ourselves right to the edge mm-hmm. before we do these things? Yeah. And here's another tired cliche, and I apologize, ladies out there, it is a bit sexist, but as the saying goes, the clothes do make the man. Indeed they do. Let's say the clothes make the person, but it's the first thing you see. Before you see the business card, before they open their mouth, it's the image, okay? And anybody stepping up to a podium to either his uh, constituents or his contemporaries Mm -hmm. in the Senate, first thing they see, they're forming opinions, okay? And to have this... Damn it, I don't even have an adjective bad enough to put on Fetterman right now, this jackass. Could you imagine him getting up at the podium in the Senate, okay, with his Carhartt sweatshirt and his shorts and his bad ink work showing on his arms, his bald-ass head, and whatever kind of like 1850s Amish goatees working this week. Yeah. Before this man even opens his stroke-ridden mouth, I'm thinking, who is this piece of shit? Clown. Right. And is this the image that we want to send to the rest of the world? Because they're watching. Oh, hell yes, they're watching. You know, we are are that country. Mm. You know, this is why we have trouble at the border. Right. Because everybody's trying to come here. Is this what the image that we want to be sending to China? Is this the image that we want to be sending to Russia? And I'm glad you brought that up, because on that note, so we don't run over in a segment. Yes. Run through your head right now to every news footage of everything you've seen from the United Nations mm-hmm. to the Russian proletariat. Yep. To the entire, whatever they call their, their, their chair over there in China. Yeah. To North freaking Korea. Okay. Even that despot with the entire country under his thumb yep. wears a fucking suit. Yeah. To any of his presentations, as yeah. does the entire assemblage He is absolutely batshit crazy. But he knows to put on clothes that suit his station, you know? Yeah, that speak speak to the part, that speak to the position, that speak to the authority that the man wields. And I tell you what, and they wonder why the people are always angry. That brings us to... (laughs) Middle Gem! Middle Gem! Yay! What do you have for us today, sir? I'm so happy. Um, (laughs) I... No, this will come as a shock to most people, but I'm a fan of the Rolling Stones. I've heard that. Have been for a long time, seen them a few times live, <laughs> and uh, I am absolutely, absolutely thrilled and pleased uh, that they are still alive and kicking, Three and yeah. they are still the Rolling Stones. Yep. And this is, shocking but true, folks, a brand new song from the Rolling Stones. This is a song called Angry. Angry. All right, folks, we're going to play this one for you. And we'll be back in a couple minutes with some more things and stuff.
I so enjoyed that. And I did too. And, and when we played it, the first thing that, that struck me, uh, and I'll say the same thing I said to you, like, no offense to Charlie Watts. Not at all. But what this band needed right now yep. is uh, what I call a, a thunder drummer. Yeah. Somebody who's really just heavy on the bass drum. Yeah. Just to kind of fill the space with that percussion. Yeah. That was the one and only Steve Jordan who did extensive work with Keith with the expensive wino stuff that he did, mm-hmm. you know, Keith's solo project. And yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic uh, to me anyway right. that the Stones, even at this point in their career, fifty thousand years in, <laughs> they can still develop. They yeah. can still progress. You're totally right. You they, know? Yeah, it's something that does not initially sound like a Rolling Stones song until you hear Mick singing, and then you're like, "This is this is modern and this is yeah." Now. Just... And speaking of Mick singing, that you can do a vocal to that level at Mix age, right. you know. Sorry, but yeah, at mix age, yep. you know, uh, and you know, for those. I mean, of he's us too who... old to be president, but man, he can still sing. <laughs> well, he'd have to take a pay cut <laughs> if he was going to do that, you know. Right. But yeah, that was the uh, lead single off of their upcoming studio album, Hackney Diamonds, hmm. which is an interesting title. That was the first full-length release, or it's going to be the first full-length release, I should say, of original music. In 18 years. See that, folks? We are on the cutting edge of yeah. what the kids are listening to. Oh, yeah. Well, with the, with the Stones, 18 years <laughs> the you know, kids. is yeah. five minutes in, in real time. You know, And uh, that particular song dropped on September 6th. And like I said, yeah, that is Steve Jordan, the, the immortal Steve Jordan, wailing away on drums. Mm-hmm. And it is you know, classic Stones. Yeah. It truly is. And that's what I enjoy about it. And it's funny because, you know, the reviews of the song have largely been good, but there are some critics that, you know, (laughs) feel the need to be critical. Right. And, uh, you know, some of the, uh, uh, I don't know, reviews, uh, oh, it's Stones by Numbers or it's the same old blues riff. Right. You know, I hate to break this to you guys, but (laughs) people were saying that about the Stones... 30, 40, right. some odd years ago, this is what the Rolling Stones do. Yeah, it's not your you cup of tea. It, right. Well, you not. don't. And here's the, here's the juice. Stones don't give a shit, right. you know, because they do what they do, and they keep on doing it, and they've been doing it now for half a century, mm-hmm. okay? So if you think they give a shit about your lousy review... No, sorry, they do not. Yeah, you know, speaking of stone, uh, stone deaf music <laughs> criticism, uh, just a, a snippet of. I'm it. just, I'm just laughing because you couldn't see that because you're hearing the audio. But yeah, watching Johnny stumble over that was was fun. That was good stuff. Well, the uh, the, the founder of Rolling Stone magazine, yes, got himself in hot water. Jan Winter, yes, yes. Uh, saying that he didn't want to review certain uh, female titans of rock and roll. Because they're just not that articulate. Well, you know, first and foremost, of all people, Jan Wenner <laughs> should have known better than to say exactly that. And he tried to, for lack of a better word, shove the shit back in the horse. Yeah. He tried to put the toothpaste back in the tube. He kind of knew what he said was really stupid. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, he apologized for it. But the fact of the matter is, he's Jan Winner. He is... A multi-gazillionaire, he is beyond giving a shit mm-hmm. about political correctness. The fact that he even gave a nod to it was fascinating right. to me. And I thought it was funny because I was reading his autobiography at the time. Fascinating guy. Very fascinating well, that, guy. Well, that's a tangent I took. And as you know, I'm, I'm no fan of Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. At least the modern incarnation I'm of I'm shocked it. to hear this, John. Yeah. All right. Um, but in reading this, you know, yeah, one, one part of me uh, echoed your sentiment exactly. This guy's the founder of Rolling Stone. You can say he can do whatever the hell he wants. He doesn't have to answer to anybody. And the other part is the way they pounced all over this. Well, they're ignoring the track record. Exactly. You know, if, there's, if there's ever been a <laughs> publication that has been very progressive and ahead of its time in that respect, it is Rolling Stone. Bingo. You know? But in society today, it's never about what you've done. No. It's what you just did, both yeah. good and bad. Yeah. The man really did not deserve to be vilified. He's been a champion of equal rights um, you know, forever and a day. Yep. But yeah, unfortunately, you know, with the Twitter mob, or as it is now apparently the X mob, mm-hmm. thank you, Elon Musk, um, <laughs> you know, people don't pay attention to that shit. And fortunately, I think people are starting to get past that 
you know, they're starting to pay less and less regard to the Twitter mob mm. and the victim club, you know, and they're just saying, no, no, yeah. no more, you know. I mean, if you know Jan Winter, you know, you know, the man's heart is in the right place. Mm -hmm. He said something stupid. So it Who goes. Among Us has him. Yeah, let it go. <laughs> let it go. But, uh, but yeah, back to the Rolling Stones. Um, this is what the Stones do. They've been doing it for 50 years. They're one of those bands that can keep going back to the same well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are some of us who dig good old-fashioned blues-based rock and roll, you know? Rock and roll, for 50 years, dominated the mainstream of music and of radio and whatnot. It's kind of funny because it's not that anymore. It's very interesting mm. to see that, to acknowledge that. You know, you and I have both been around long enough to see this. But, uh, but I'm sorry, angry is a breath of fresh air. Yeah. You know, it was good fun, good to hear. Glad the Stones are still kicking. They're going to enjoy them while they, while they last, you right. know. And, uh, you know, while, <laughs> while we're making reference to people who are tone deaf and don't get it, um, <laughs> <laughs> you stumbled on something just recently. <laughs> what was it, a documentary, I think? Yes. On it was, uh, some of the worst films of all time. How did that yep. go down? Well, it's, you know, I enjoyed it because it was rapid fire. It was showcasing the 50 worst movies ever made. <laughs> and it They narrowed it down to 50? 50. 50. Wow. And uh, a lot of them I wholeheartedly agreed with. A lot of them I just never saw because they were like obscure 50s, you know, type movies. Yeah. But um, it, was, it was timely that I came across it because I just mentioned to you a day or two before um, a movie that appeared in my uh, Amazon feed or everyone's Amazon feed right. that I had seen in the theaters back in, I think it was 1983, okay. during the reemergence and the fad of 3D movies. Yes, yes. It, it's funny because that comes around every It does, and they thought they had you know, so. improved yeah. upon it, and they really had No, no. But um, this movie, uh, the name of it is The Treasure of the Four Crowns. <laughs> And for okay. anyone out there who's uh, an aficionado of really shit cinema, <laughs> this, this this puppy, in my opinion, of all the movies I've ever seen, to me it is the worst movie. Wow. Not like so bad it makes you laugh. Yeah. Like perhaps things from, well. Ed Wood movies. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's, and, and he made, uh, all of his movies are on that 50 worst movie list. Yeah, I'm sure. But let's say, let, let, me, uh, let me clarify this. It's not about... This is so bad it's good. Like many offerings by the studio that did The Treasure of the Four Crowns, right. the now defunct Canon Films. Yes. Right? Yes, I remember those guys. Which was uh, Israeli owned and all about just shock, schlock, and everything else that comes with it. Yeah. Like straight to VHS. It was, it was, you know, perfect for the early to mid 80s. Right. right. Let us take a moment to savor that word schlock. Schlock. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's a good word. So anyway. I don't often get to use that word. I know, yeah, I know. Like gargantuan. Yes. So <laughs> so this movie followed the, the canon over-the-top, in-your-face thing. Now, they also gave us such gems, like uh, many of the early Chuck Norris movies. Right. I think, but I'm not sure. They also gave us the uh, the movie Jim Cotta, starring Kurt, the U.S. gymnast. Oh, oh forget, uh, yes, Kurt, I, know, I know Kurt Thomas, wasn't it? Was it Kurt Thomas? I think it was okay. Kurt Thomas, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, just horrible, famous, famously horrible. Yeah. So, again, it's not so much, or any of the, the trauma movies, the Toxic Adventure, right. Rabid Grannies. I mean, I love all those because they're so bad, they're hysterical. Yes. This was just bad and never belonged on a screen, much less people paying money to see it. Yeah. And as you're watching this, it suffers from horrible editing. Yeah. Horrible sound, okay. horrible script, horrible acting, horrible 3D effects. Everything about it is horrible. Isn't it a wonder that somebody financed the making Yes, and if you read up like on this? it, they say, in fact, yeah. that it was disjointed. They lost funding. They had to ditch producers, bring more people on. Yeah. So it's like, it's all over the place. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, any movie from that period that uses the 3D technology did like they did in the 50s. Yeah. The story is secondary, okay? And the actors are secondary. Yeah. The main focus is on things getting thrown at the audience, right? Right. right. This thing tries in every way possible throwing things at the audience. But let's say if a snake comes flying at you 
and even in the moment, it's so clearly rubber and fake. <laughs> I don't care who you are, it's not going to frighten you. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, just hard. If, if, if a this is nothing. They're very big on fireballs right. in, in this movie. Okay. Which looks like like a briquette on fire that someone literally threw at somebody. <laughs> But in slow-mo, I guess that makes it more realistic. Yeah, yes. that's horrible. The lasers are horrible. The, everything horrible. Yeah. But probably the worst part is whoever this Italian or Spanish actor is that's playing the lead Yeah. in a clear ripoff of Indiana Jones, you can tell half his lines are dubbed by an English-speaking guy. Oh, God. And the movie's name is J.T. Striker. <laughs> now, if that isn't something out of central casting right there... And, you know, when they go to storm this castle to retrieve these artifacts, yeah. they're not wearing, like, camouflage or, or night gear or tactical gear. J.T. Stryker is wearing a jacket that uh, Burt Reynolds as the bandit would, would wear, minus right. the firebird on the back, and white pants. <laughs> How clandestine are you going to be, right? Then rounding out his team, <coughs> excuse me, is the alcoholic mountain climber, who they need his expertise to storm the fortress. Right. Some government schmo who's supposed to be like an agent, but comes across more as like a used furniture salesman. Oh, okay? God. Yeah. Then you've got the father and daughter team. Now, the father, for the longest time, I thought was Darren McGavin, because he looks just like him. Yeah. But no, he's foreign, and his lines are dubbed. Okay. And, of course, his daughter is a hot piece of ass. Oh, of course. Right? Yeah. So... They all survive to the end when they're going to take these magical crowns off of the throne that they're sitting on. Yeah. But the thing's booby-trapped. <laughs> so the mountain climber buys it. The government guy buys it. The old right. man that looks like Darren McGavin has a heart attack, and he dies. So now it's just the guy and the chick. Yikes. The minute the guy touches the crowns, he turns into this deformed monster and starts killing everybody in sight. Of course. It's just, it's like, what are they trying to do? Well, there's, there's definitely... Um, a genre of movies where they are fully aware that they're fucking horrible. And this one wasn't. That's why it's so horrible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is something that the show like Mystery Science Theater or yeah. Left or Rift Tracks right. would pick up and dub over and it would be hysterical. <laughs> and I can't believe they never got to this one yet. Right. So, to round out my portion of this segment, yeah. for me, hands down, the worst movie ever put on celluloid was The Treasure of the Four Crowns. Wow. I recommend everybody... Try and watch it. Wow. Now, you, sir, have another dandy that you would love to, to throw into. Well, you know, when we were talking <laughs> about this, this again, you know, there's, there's train wrecks that you watch could, because you can't believe it's a train wreck. Right. It's like, wow. Uh, for me, that was Battlefield Earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was watching it. It was just like I heard that this was awful. <laughs> and just in watching it, it was awful. And I couldn't believe that some of the actors who were in it actually participated in this, but it didn't make me angry. Right. It wasn't... And that, that's what I told them, folks, uh, in, in full disclosure. Yeah. In the notes, I'm like, I want this to be a movie that made you angry. It was yeah. so bad. You know, other <laughs> movies on that list where you go, eh, you know, Showgirls was another one where it was like, wow, this is... You know, it's like watching a train wreck in slow motion. It's mm -hmm. like, this is awful. But as far as like a movie that they obviously you know, put some money into and made an effort and it was still awful and it was insultingly awful <laughs> and made you walk out of the theater like pissed off. Right. Um, that's got to go to the 1997 gem, Batman and Robin. And I'm, I can't debate that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even it was almost like Clooney knew uh -huh. as they're going through it that this is awful, this may very well kill my career. Right. You know, unfortunately, I'm contractually obligated to say these lines, <laughs> you know, and you really, really wanted Chris O'Donnell to die a violent and horrible death when oh, yeah. you were watching this. Oh, yeah. You know, everything about it was just infuriating. And I'm not the DC guy. You are. <laughs> you know, and it's still... I just sat there shaking my head. Oh, I can imagine. It, it was just that bad. Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> what were they thinking? How did they greenlight this? Who paid for this? Yep. You know, I mean, it was just, it was stunning because, yeah. yeah, it wasn't, you know, I mean, Reefer Madness, classic example, <laughs> you know, of a movie that, you know, back in the day and they were trying to make it like a documentary or some shit and it was just over the top awful and it was like, wow. Right. right. But it was like amusingly awful, maybe, you know, because this went down in 1936, I believe, 
you know, many generations later. Something a little bit more modern. I mean, we were talking about where the buffalo roam, uh-huh. which was their first pass at trying to take the Hunter S. Thompson classic, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, to the silver screen. Film was god-awful. You know, the writers should have been beaten to death. <laughs> but, like, Bill Murray doing Hunter S. Thompson was such a gem. Right, and it, at least it had that saving quality. Yeah. Both of the movies that we mentioned... No saving quality. None. None. None at all. None at all. And if anything, they had whatever the opposite of a saving quality was. It was that thing that just made you angry. Yeah. Batman and Robin was a major studio motion picture. It was big, big money. And, yeah, as you watched it, you were just like, what were they thinking? Yeah. If I must suffer, humanity will suffer with me. And for me, what I, what I really hated about it was the whole treatment of the Bane character. Yeah. Because at that point, it was only a couple years old since they had introduced him. Right. They had this massive storyline in the comics where he, he broke Batman's back and, you know, the, the, the multi-layers of this guy. He was like a super intelligent villain, not just this giant you know, brute. Yeah. So they used this wrestler. I forget the guy's name. Just even in wrestling, he was like a, like a B-level guy. Yeah. He was like fat. You know, he wasn't even tall or anything. It's like, this is supposed to be a, like the bad guy now. Yeah. It's like, yeah. no, no thought, no imagination oh, whatsoever. Yeah. Wasted talent, wasted performances. Yep. You know, I mean, quite honestly, I have all the respect in the world for George Clooney. He's done some great movies he over has, the years. Which you makes know. it even worse. Yeah, some fantastic performances. <laughs> it was like, who in the hell, did you fire your agent after this? Because I right. hope you did. Yeah. You know, how did you get involved in this? You know, I mean... You know, prior to when Val Kilmer, like, did the Batman, it was like, yeah, you know, but it kind of sort of wasn't awful. Yeah. You know, I mean, unfortunately, I guess, pre- prior to that, Michael Keaton set the bar pretty high. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that movie, I think it was 89, with yep. him, Nicholson as the Joker, kind of set the bar high, and you were kind of like, yeah, like, to the extent that we were looking forward to what is it, The Flash, where they brought him right, back, right. you know, and, and everybody was kind of pumped on seeing Keaton in the Batsuit again, mm-hmm. you know, but... Now you want to get nuts? Come on! Let's get nuts. Clooney knew this was a disaster. Yeah. And he participated. You know, if he didn't behead his agent after this, <laughs> he let the guy off easy, you know, quite honestly. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I... I, I you know, like I said, I wanted to see Chris O'Donnell dismembered after this. Yeah, everything sure about him is just Yeah, I'm sure he's horrible. a nice guy, you know, decent actor. But nobody wants a 30-year-old Robin. God. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the idiot to cast this? Yeah. Who's the, who, who thought this was going to work? Yeah. You know, just a disaster. Just an absolute disaster. Yep. Ugh. Anyway. Well, let's hope they get that one right in the future. And let's, you know... As you said, you know the 3D thing like comes and goes, and comes and goes. It's kind of funny how that they, the, you know, twenty years later we're gonna yeah. take another swing at it. And the, like, the one nope. bright spot, because the other like big 3D flop everybody remembers is Jaws three, which was yeah same use the same hockey techniques and whatnot. Yeah, the only one that worked was, and I don't know if this if it was originally 3D or not, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. And I remember this so vividly because... An they, absolute horror classic, by yeah, the way. Horror yeah, horror classic. One of the universal paragons of, of horror movies. Yeah. And what they did was that they had... Um, they showed it on TV. Okay. And it was in 3D on TV. So you had to go to 7-Eleven and get the special glasses. <laughs> right, right, right. And when you would watch that on TV, that to me, even on a small black and white TV, looked amazing. Right. Right? Yeah. And black and white, yeah, you didn't get the same thing, but... On, on a color TV, you could see the different like layers and whatnot, and it's you know doing things in 3D. Yeah, I went. I was an art major in college. I had to learn how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very simple case of imagine two drawings of the same thing. Right. One is done all in red ink. One is done all in blue ink. Okay. Okay. And depending on how like deep you want the perspective to be. If you were to superimpose the two pictures right over each other, yeah. if the lines are further apart, it creates depth. Okay. And if they're closer together, it puts it like right in front of you. Right. Okay? Very, very simple concept. And in, in, in drawings, it's difficult to do because you are always got to make two of everything. Right. But in movies and TV and film, all you have to do is just offset the film a little bit. And that's why the glasses are always, or at least then, you know, blue and red, right. which go opposite like size. So your eyes... The, uh, the stereoscopic vision that we all have 
looks at each one of these independently and the effect creates that 3D-ness. Okay. Nowadays, if you go see a movie like with 3D with IMAX, it's like sunglasses, so I don't know how they do that. Yeah. But my point is, in a modern age, uh, the last one I could think of that they did it really well was the uh, animated, computer animated movie, Beowulf, okay. which I went to go see with a buddy of mine, yeah. and there were parts of that movie where I was going to toss my lunch <laughs> between the gore that came right at you or the subtle way that they created like the depth in everything. Yeah. Like there was a scene where they back away from the cave of the monster, yeah. and you go in reverse all through the forest and across the fields back to the castle, but now stuff was coming from behind your head in front of you. Wow. So we created that effect of you're moving backwards, I'm like... Thinking to myself, this is cool as shit, you know, <laughs> nice. because they use their head. They didn't be like, well, let's just throw everything possible at the screen to right. make people jump. Right. That's not going to scare anybody. Please, they're worried about getting shot in a theater, and you're going to have, like, you know, a goldfish <laughs> jump out at you? Like, that's going to do something? Right. Well, I'll tell you, just, like, totally jumping off topic, believe it or not, I once saw um, a 3D live concert. Wow. 1998. Kiss Psycho Circus Tour. Mm-hmm. So I'm at uh, at Dodger Stadium. Okay. And uh, and yeah, when you were coming in, everybody was handed 3D glasses. Huh. You had know, the big video screens on either side of the stage, and over the course of the show, you had these 3D images that mm-hmm. suddenly blasted out at you from these screens. Boy, that Gene Simmons. Oh man, <laughs> believe it or not, my lasting image, my lasting memory, I should say, of a 3D image uh, was Ace Freely. In a guitar solo, where right. they somehow I, you know, I don't know lo- the logistics of it, but they blasted Ace off of these screens, wailing away on an Ace Freely solo, and right. it was a fascinating experience. Oh, sure. It truly was, and you know, obviously the chemicals that we partook in prior to, oh, uh, because it was <laughs> Halloween night. The halflings leave. Halloween night, <laughs> Dodger Stadium, Kiss in 3D. That's a night right there. That's that. It doesn't get much better than that, folks. I'll tell you, it was something else. And the girl I took to the show that night has yet to forgive me for it. And I doubt she ever will. (laughs) Well, it still works out better than how these movies did us dirty. Indeed. And I guess, well, speaking of dirty movies. All right. It's time for the third gem of the episode. Nice. What do you got, Johnny? Well, I'm so overjoyed because it's a Van Halen tune <laughs> that you allowed me to use. Very out of character for you. I'm Very out of character. Indeed. And uh, it's a little ditty off of the Fair Warning album called Dirty Movies. And one of the reasons I love this song was that it was one of their only songs to showcase the bass playing of Michael Anthony. Nice. It's a great rollicking tune with such dated lyrics that we wouldn't be allowed to use these days. Oh, my goodness. And I say it's all the more reason to play it. Absolutely. So we're going to do that, and we'll be right back to wrap things up and send you on your way. Stay tuned.
fun the Van Halen way. My favorite Van Halen album because it's the one that not everybody else knows about or yeah. likes, which yeah. just makes it great. I mean, you got that song on it. You got Mean Street. You got arguably my all-time favorite, Unchained. Just a solid. If you are a Van Halen fan, that is your album right there. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was all Fair Warden, uh, 1981. It was like the, the blueprint of any heavy metal rock song of the 80s. Right. Women, sluts. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Yeah. A little, little misogynistic, I suppose. Back but in the day. Back, back in, the in the day. day right? Yeah, yeah. And the poor girl gets, gets the, the big part in the back of a limo. Oh, my as goodness. As they say. Yeah. 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 So, so anyway. <laughs> what's going on in Big Boom Radio this week, Johnny? Well, uh, not a whole lot of stuff. <clears throat> almost going on autopilot because we've got so much material. So I just want to remind everybody, of course, if you go to BigBoomRadio.com, you'll see a full slate of the acts that were on the uh, Classic Rock Showcase for the week. Nice. But also a reminder, and it's all listed there in our, our schedule of events, the different shows that we've got every day of the week. Right. Monday, it's Heavy Metal, uh, hair, heavy metal? Monday Night Hair Monday Metal. Night Monday Night Hair Metal. Monday, See, I yeah, forgot my own. Go. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, I'm getting old, folks. <laughs> Tuesday, we've got the effervescent British Incursion, hosted nice. by Sir Nigel Pennyworth. The one and only, the Sir The one Nigel. and only. Yes. And then Wednesday, we've got New Wave Wednesday, taking it back to the 80s, with really a whole bunch of different genres of music. Yeah. Then Thursday uh, at noon, we've got Three for Thursday Alternative. So while we're paying three in a row all damn day every Thursday, that noon to one hour is... Just alternative rock. Nice. Bands that haven't made it yet. Bands you don't hear that much about anymore. Stuff that doesn't fit the, you know, traditional rock label. Good stuff. And then at night, you, sir, host yes. the Blitzkrieg Bop. Good fun. The Blitz, that's <laughs> Big Boom Radio's punk show that's yes. on at 8. Let's break stuff, folks. Totally. Friday, uh, it was really held down by this, the Riffs and Rants podcast. Indeed. With plays at 8 a.m., 5 p.m., and 8 p.m. Over to Saturday, 10 a.m., we got Saturday morning 70s. Nice. Yeah, my little guilty pleasure there. Taking it back to the land of olive drab shag carpeting and orange plastic appliances. Hell of a way to kick off the weekend. Of course. Then you got Saturday night. It's Saturday night ska at 8 p.m. And then, of course, Sunday anchoring the week from 7 until 9. It is the one, the only, Rockabilly Rumble. The flagship. The flagship. Since... 2014. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of years now wow. doing that. That's good so, stuff. So, yeah, so we always got something to tune into bigboomradio.com for, yeah. uh, as well as you can get it on the MyTuner app, live365.com, all these things that you can, you know, just download on your phone for free, play in your car, use it as baby making music or barbecue tunes, whatever nice. suits you fancy. We got you covered. We do. So, on that note, folks, thank you so much for joining us on this. Our 159th episode. Damn. Right? <laughs> and as always, I am Johnny Teflon. And I am Michael Sean Lee. Yeah, and we will see you all on the flip side. <laughs>